Well, good morning, guys. How are you? You know, I love that that path because I think of our lives really are a journey. You know, it's kind of funny where that journey goes. And it's like, wow, every day is a new step in that journey. And so we'll, we'll talk more about that. Uh, we, we actually have a, a two friends here and uh, they're going to share a little bit. But it, it really comes down to where you're at on this journey and how we move and, and what's that next step going to be. And we're in a series where we're going through the Gospel of John. So we're looking at, at John as he shares what happened in the life of Jesus. And, and so, like I mentioned last week, sometimes in a book you really want to know what's going to happen. So you turn to the very end and you try to read a couple pages to find out what's going to happen to those characters, what's going to go on. And when we do that in the Gospel of John, we go all the way to chapter 20, and starting in verse 30, it says, The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs, in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that we may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. And so what we're looking at, we're looking at the idea of on our journey, believing and actually having life. What does true life look like? And so we're going to look at that, but we're really kind of doing a flyby. I want you to know that as we look at the scripture, we are just going, you know, 10,000 feet. We're, we're above it all. We're kind of covering it. And so I encourage you during the week to say, let me, let me re-look at that chapter again. Let me, let me try to go deeper. What exactly is God speaking to me because even last week you know last week we looked at a wedding and you know that's a that's a big deal you know and and a celebration and and we we saw that uh, basically the whole thing was going to fall apart it was going to be disastrous and it wasn't really you know as we looked at it it wasn't really about just that one day but we were actually talking about honor and we were talking about how that would affect the whole family and, and, and extended parts of the family and how, how that would continue on because of their inadequacies. That's how people would identify them and view them. And, and what we see is Jesus came and showed up and he saved what was absolutely broken. And that's the same thing in our lives, those inadequacies. And then we see where Jesus is going to his father's house and he's going to worship his father. And, and as he's showing up, he's realizing, man, this is like Las Vegas got a hold of this place. You know, there's casinos, you know, gambling here. And then, and then we, we, got, we got this uh, action going on. There's almost like a petting zoo going on. And, and there's all these things that are just out of control. And what Jesus does is Jesus totally wipes it aside. And that's what he does with, with our spiritual belief that, that we, we, we become spiritually bankrupt when we put our faith into other things other than Jesus. And that's exactly what Jesus showed us as he went through that temple. He's like, wow, you're looking at all this sparkle and glitter and you're not looking to me. And so it's so important, you know, as Jesus is helping us on this journey to identify what are we truly following and then, and then chapter two ends with the idea of desire. And, and it's like, what are our true desires? What's really going on in our life? And I just want to recap at the very end of chapter two, starting in verse 24, it says, but Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature for he knew what was in each person's heart. See, Jesus understands that each one of us, we are tainted 
by sin. That means that sin has tainted us. That means that, that we have chosen to sin, each one of us. We've been splattered by sin by other people, and sin is part of our DNA. And Jesus understands that and how that affects each one of us. So many times people want to uh, drop things down to a bumper sticker, and they'll be like, is he a good person or a bad person? Is she good or is she bad? And, and what we think by it is they're either all good or all bad, instead of understanding that even our goodness, the Bible says it's, it's just like filthy rags. Why? Because it's just tainted. And so it's tainted. And, and so Jesus sees that he understands that. And so when we go into chapter three, I'm going to start to read and we're going to be introduced to a character and, and, and uh, um, it says that there's a man named Nicodemus and, and a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak to Jesus. Nicodemus. See, this becomes a complicated thing, too. Who is Nicodemus? And, and, and I'm going to try to share a little bit about him. Is he all good? Is he all bad? He's tainted. We're, we're all tainted, and there's things that are in our lives. Now, now by, by the world standards, he was pretty amazing. So he was this Pharisee. He's this religious leader. We, we see in, in another part of Scripture that basically he was, he was, it was like the Vatican. He was like over all of the Jews. He was the head of the spokesperson for the Jews. Jesus says in this passage, he says that, that you're a respected teacher and so that people would look at him and they'd be like wow this is a guy that's got it together this is a guy that that we listen to that that uh, God's chosen people the Israelites would listen to what he has to say and so we know that he's important we know that he's influential and we know that he's intelligent now one thing that we see about Nicodemus as 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 um He's a Pharisee, but he's not hostile towards Jesus. Almost every other time that we see a Pharisee and they're talking to Jesus, they're hostile. So even though they might be saying something, it, 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 even if they're not actively being aggressive, they're being passive aggressive. They're trying to get Jesus. And we don't see that with Nicodemus, but we also see that he's very hesitant to see Jesus publicly. He knows that people are watching what he does. They're, they're seeing every move he makes. And so he's trying to be very, very careful as he moves forward. He's not quite ready to uh, endorse or, or to engage Jesus publicly. And so he set up this appointment at night. And so I believe as, as we start to go through it, we realize that he's looking for something. You know, is, is it just a connection? Like, hey, you know, if, if Jesus becomes the next big thing, then we're already close. We've already built a bond. What, what are the things that he's really trying to get from Jesus? And the reality, a lot of times people say, what was that person thinking? I'm like, I have no idea. You know, we don't know what other people are thinking. Our motives get so confused at times. You know, we think oh, maybe this is what we're thinking, but we're also influenced by other things. But here's what we see as 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 he comes in this curious way to talk to Jesus. He's very respectful. You're going to see that. But we also need to know that just because I'm seeking Jesus and I'm, I'm, I'm looking to Jesus isn't the same thing as confusion. Confessing Jesus. It's not the same thing as a conversion to Jesus. So, so he, he's not at that place yet, but here's how he responds. He says, Rabbi, he said, 
we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your, your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Doesn't that sound great? Oh, man, it sounds so good. And, and, and you hear it, and it's like, that's really good. So good, uh, 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 good so far. But the reality is that Jesus is way more than just a good teacher. He's way more than just, just this, this great guy that can speak. But in a sense, this is what Nicodemus is saying. He's, he's a, he's a well-respected, great teacher. He's like, Jesus, you are great. You're fantastic. You're, you're just like, you, you, you teach really good. You teach like us. I mean, you, you are just great. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I hope to be like you someday. You know, maybe, maybe I can get the 2.0 or, you know, I can get the download. And, and, and you know what? Then, then, then I can learn these things that you have and kind of be like you. And, and so that's what's kind of going on in the mind of Nicodemus as, as he's sharing with him. And, and here's the reality, guys, we, we can't just upgrade ourselves. It's not just a little tweak that will make us like Jesus. And so at that point, that's why Jesus stops the conversation. Here's what we see. Jesus replies, you're, you're absolutely right. Tell, tell you the truth, that unless you are born again, what's that, born above, born from above, it's impossible to see what I'm pointing you to, the, the kingdom of God. You can't see the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, you're not going to be able to see the kingdom of God apart from me. I, I, I appreciate everything you said ahead of time, but, but let me really ask you the, the true question. And what's funny is, is Jesus is, is, is now asking and he's going to answer a question that Nicodemus wasn't even asking. I don't believe it was even on his radar. He, he was just thinking, we'll get together. You know, maybe I can get some good things from Jesus. Jesus will help me be a better person. And, 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 and Jesus goes deeper. And, and that's, that's important if you're a follower of Christ as we're on this journey together. What happens is Jesus starts speaking to each one of us about things that's not even on our radar. Jesus starts talking to us about areas where he wants to move us, areas that he wants to move in our lives. So verse 4 says, what do you mean, he exclaimed, Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb to be born again? He's saying, what are you really talking about? This idea of some type of being born again, this, this being born from above, this spiritual birth. What are you talking about, Jesus? He replies in verse 5, he says, I assure you that no one can enter the kingdom without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. See, when you see someone that's having a baby, do you get excited when you see people? I mean, I when 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 I see someone pregnant, there's like a glow. There's that there's that glow on their skin and everything, and it's exciting. And and uh, you know, a lot of times. I'm totally guilty when people are walking out of church, you know, and they're, they're pregnant. I just want to put my hand on the baby, you know, and I want to rub the baby, you know, and, 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 and some Buddha thing or something. I don't know what it is, but I'm rubbing it. I'm all excited. And, and, and then I realize people are probably like, Rich, quit touching that lady. You don't even know her. But, but there's just something so exciting about it because what it is, it's life. There was a time in this lady's life that there was no life there. And then life happens 
and it grows and you see it and it's like, wow, that is amazing. How in the world? You know, there's that excitement and, and you know, as, as a couple, you sit around and, 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 and you listen and, and, and with your friends and, 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 and feel the kicks and there's this excitement. Well, what Jesus is saying, the same thing happens spiritually. Is that there's something that, that doesn't exist in your life, but there's a birth from above that comes from Jesus. There's this birth from above that brings life. It brings spiritual life from something that didn't exist before. And that's what he's trying to share with him. In verse 7, he says, don't be surprised when I say that you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. See, new birth is, 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 is absolutely necessity in your spiritual life, because apart from new birth, it is dead. There is nothing there. And Jesus says that it, it's not just like a reform, you know, like, oh, a little tweak. You know, I changed this in my life and now my spirit has a kickstart and now it becomes alive. But that it's a radical transformation. That the only way for me to become spiritually alive is through a transformation that comes in a supernatural way from Jesus. The only way that we change spiritually is through Jesus. He's the one that gives us life. Now, so we could say born again. We could say born, born from above. Either way that you want to say it, you know, a lot of times I'll meet people and they'll say, well, pastor, I'm a Christian. I'm just not a born again Christian. You know, I'm just not, I'm just not one of those things. You know, um, guys, I want you to know there's no way to be a Christian unless you've been born from above, unless you've been born again through Christ, there's no way for you to be a Christian. I mean, there's, there, that, that's, that's how we are uh, uh, regenerated is through Jesus. Now, we see all kinds of people in church that are unregenerated. We see all kinds of people in life that are unregenerated that say that they're Christians, but they're not Christians. The Bible, that definition is being born again. It's being born from him. And, and, and so Jesus is really tearing down the illusions in the life of Nicodemus, the things that he was holding on to, the things that he was expecting in life. And so new life comes from new birth. And, and, and it really is more than just turning a new leaf. It's transformation. So if you have your study guides, I want you to write a couple things down this morning. So as we're looking, we need to understand that life is from God. Life is from God. So physically, emotionally, and spiritually, it is from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from Father above. Uh, Psalms 139, that we are fearfully and wonderfully created by him, that we're knit and woven together by him. He is the one that gives life. And so how do we get to life with our tainted DNA, with the, with the distortion that's in our body? Well, here, here's how, and it's starting in verse 9. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what you, what we know and what have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. 
But if you don't believe me when I tell you about etern uh, uh, earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man, Jesus, has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness, and I just want to pause there really quick because you may be reading and, and then just go right past it and be like, I don't really know what he's talking about there. I want you to understand Jesus is talking to an expert. Someone definitely had the, the first five books of the Bible memorized, guaranteed. I mean, he, he was able to answer, answer questions about it. He was able to, and in his position, really, he, he had the whole Old Testament memorized, but, but he, he was an expert at it. So Jesus was like, you don't get it? And then Jesus goes to a picture that he totally would understand. And, and it's in Numbers 21. And, and you can write it down as a, to look at it this week. But what we see is we see these people who have just, you know, uh, watched God do amazing things, but totally turned their back on God. They watched God do these amazing things. And they're like, forget it, man. I'm going to do my own thing. I don't care. I, 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 I'm my own God. I'll find my own gods to worship. I'll do my own things. And, and guys, uh, they, they became so prideful and, and, and disobedient, and they rejected the life that God had placed in front of them. And the reality is that's what sin always does. Every time that we sin, nothing good comes from it. It's not like, hey, I sinned, and maybe something good will come from it. It, it always ends up in pain. It always ends up in death. It destroys things. That's just what sin does that's that's the outcome it's it's usually quick gratification with long-term payments and that, that that's that's what we see with sin and so when we look at the scripture we see that that there was this plague of poisonous snakes maybe maybe boom snakes i don't know but but something that that ended up uh, uh killing people wiping people out but it talked about that 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 people that, that they needed salvation. And so people repented. They repented to God and said, I repent of the things that I've done. And, and that, that they, they, they received salvation. They received healing from God. And so God had told Moses to, to take this bronze snake and, and, and to hold that as, as it represents that they can look to and realize, wow, there's healing in God. There's healing in him. And then we look at the scripture and we, we, we continue to go on. And then we see in, in, in Kings where, where, where the, the, the snake was broken and, and, and people have just gone back on with their lives. Well, what Jesus is saying is that, that I am the snake. I'm the new bronze snake that you can look at, that you can realize that's where healing comes from. That's where salvation comes from. He's letting him know you can look at me now. That there's a life of repentance as we have faith, as we trust in him. And the scripture goes on and it says, so the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will see eternal life. Isn't that a great picture? I mean, we realize that people physically dying and Jesus is saying, you know that picture so well. And I'm not just talking about physical life here. I'm talking about eternal life. I'm talking about life forever and ever. So the second thing that I want you to put in your notes today is that life is in Jesus. 
Life is in Jesus. That's, that's how we receive life. Jesus told them in John 14, verse 6, he says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through me. See, Jesus in the midst of this reveals people's motives of, of you know, you, you may come here for certain things, but the true answer to life is in me. The true answer to whatever you're dealing with is in me. And so, so we look at one of the most famous scripture, and, and we're going to kind of go through it and unpack it a little bit, but we, we go back to uh, 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 John 3, starting in verse 16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So you got to look at that and you got to make that your own. What is it that God has for me? God came to give eternal life to you. He doesn't want you to perish. He doesn't want you to miss out on the life that he's designed for you. Verse 17 God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world. You know, so many times people think of Jesus and God as this, this angry person that's judging people and is narrow and is just, ah, I'm just so mad at everyone. And Jesus is coming just to show, ah, he's so upset and, and there's only one way. And, and, and we get this really twisted view and, and, and the way John shares it is so beautiful that, that he came to save us. He came to save each one of us. And God wants to save us right where we're at. He wants to save whatever is going on in your life, those splatters of sin, even those choices that you've made. He wants to save you. Verse 18, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Guys, it's totally inclusive when we look at it. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter about your education. It doesn't matter about your skin color. But it's about you believing in him, that you can be saved. And I want you to understand as you walk on your journey today that each person that God has placed in front of you, that God wants to save them. God wants to give them life. He doesn't want to give them judgment. But then it goes on and it says, but anyone who does not believe in him has already judged, not for believing in God's one and only son. So, so a lot of times people will look and they, they, it, it's, it's, they, they don't understand the choice that's involved. See, it goes on in, in verse 19, and this is kind of the why and the reasoning of it is that, and the judgment is based on the fact that God's light came into the world, Jesus, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for the fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. Guys, there's something amazing when God touches your life, when God changes your life and he transforms. While we're not held down by those things of the past anymore, there's a freedom that takes place in our life. What we don't understand is how much sin 
keeps us in the dark. How many of these, these patterns and systems that we get caught into that we're just trapped? I don't want to share this. I don't want to talk about this. Let's keep this secret. Let's keep that secret. But when Jesus gives us new life and we have that new spirit in our life, there's this amazing excitement. There's a freedom in it. And so I want you to write in that life can be mine. For each of you, that life can be yours. Each of us have an opportunity through what Jesus has done. He wants everyone to have life. And, and I believe that uh, what Jesus came to do was to change our spirit for eternity. He came to change those broken bodies and he came to change our mind. And it is a choice to have life. And I'm going to have my friend Angela. She's going to come up and, and she's going to share just a little bit of, of her story and, 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 and a story of a, a friend of hers and just kind of a, that journey of what life looks like. Will you guys welcome Angela for me? Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate an opportunity to talk about the Lord and what he's done in my life and the life of others that uh, he allows me to be a part of. Um, as a child, I grew up in a home that was a non-believing home uh, where love was conditional and acceptance was based on performance and behavior, not for who you are or the family you belong to. Um, the negative messages abounded, leaving me and siblings feeling emotionally abandoned and vulnerable to things that ought not happen to children. As an early adult, I thought I would make a difference. My life would be different than the one that I had grown up in, and uh, it sent me on a search. And at one point, I felt, I just felt that there was something calling to me, and I wasn't sure what it was, but I started kind of going back to the roots of where my family had come from as an Italian family. We had a Catholic background that ended with my grandmother. So I kind of went there and I started learning and searching and um, God pulled me into the Bible. And that's where I learned how he loved me and he valued me. It didn't matter what my past was, what I had done, where I had been, who I saw when I looked in the mirror and what I thought of that person. It didn't matter. God valued me. And he had knit me together in my mother's womb because he had value and purpose for me. He had plans for my life that would give me hope. Despair had made my heart sick, and I had made choices that weren't leading to anywhere that brought any fulfillment. I learned not only that he loves me and he valued me no matter what, that even if parents were to abandon me, which they did, he never would. That was his promise. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He didn't take anything away from me. He gave me everything valuable to himself. And that there would be no judgment. No matter what people said, did, or thought, God would not have that kind of judgment in my life that would condemn me. 
but would deliver me into his open waiting arms spiritually here and for eternity in his presence. Others' words, opinions never were going to define me again. And in my very early 40s, the Lord brought me an opportunity at the pregnancy center. And I was soon sitting across from men and women, mostly women, who had been broken, shattered, rejected, judged, abandoned. And I knew that their past was not going to define their future because I had experienced that in the Lord myself. And I had the rarest, most beautiful opportunity to speak words of life into broken hearts filled with despair coming to us out of an unplanned pregnancy situation, leading to decisions like abortion that would compound human grief and pain. And they saw no value. Sometimes they did, but circumstances would drive them to the decision they would never make otherwise out of their own brokenness. And we get to speak words of life and share the Lord and his love and the gospel one in three conversations are spiritually based with our clients. Nowhere else could I share that kind of love and acceptance and, and, and um, transformation for a life given to the Lord. And I got to see personally uh, up to 95% of men and women choosing to carry their babies because Hope in their lives was restored. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. No matter what your circumstances are, if you search for me with your whole heart, you'll find me. Be still. Know that I am God, Psalm 46, 10. Be still. Let me speak into your life, and let me use these people to do that. That's what goes on in the pregnancy center. What an opportunity that I have to be right in the middle of what God is doing. He repaired my broken life. I want to tell you a story. We don't often get to see the full circle of what God does at the pregnancy center. We often think, and I used to too, that the full circle was coming with an unplanned pregnancy, broken in life, in circumstances, leading to decisions that compound human grief, choosing to have that baby, seeing the joy in their lives with that child, thinking that was full circle. I've recently been able to see more. About 12 years ago, a woman came in just those circumstances. I sat in front of her. I happened to be blessed that day to sit with her, to be the one in that room with her. And in the process of her saying, the father will never be involved. These are my circumstances. I come from a, an abused background. I can't have this child. And I was prompted by the Lord to say to her, do you want to be a woman of integrity? And she stopped, yes, I do. What would that look like in this decision-making process? She chose to carry. She was reaffirmed in her choice by that little tiny heartbeat she saw on the ultrasound machine. Fast forward through life, she's made many difficult decisions. Her choice to be a woman of integrity and before the Lord, she had come to the Lord after that first visit, um, 
caused her to make decisions that were difficult. And we know good decisions are often difficult to implement in our lives and to follow through on. But she did it, and I was so proud of her. And a couple of years ago, she was plagued with sarcoma cancer, very aggressive. She is now stage four with an 11 and a half year old. And she's now home on hospice this, as of this week. And she vacillates just like all of us would in our pain. But she turns her head back to the Lord. And I was at, in her hospital room the other day. And God provided 60 people in the moment of her despair to walk in and encourage her in seven hours. And her heart is full. And she goes home on hospice to live out her remaining days and hours before her 11 and a half year old with eyes pointing to Jesus. God plucked me out of a difficult life, loved me into his kingdom, promised me salvation, gave me his son, uses the pain of that, which doesn't hurt anymore, but gives me opportunity to understand and sit with people and watch him do that in their lives. And now she is doing that with her child. God is miraculous. And this ministry gives us opportunities of all kinds to be able to see God work and minister his grace, mercy, and love that he's given us. Pastor, thank you. Thank you so much. Wow, what an awesome story of integrity. And, uh, you know, we, we can't do it on our own. It, 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 it's God who gives us the strength to be able to live that life. And I just encourage you, uh, she's actually here with, uh, Angela is here with her husband, Jeff, and they're going to be in the back over by the coffee and stuff afterwards. I encourage you, if you have any questions or you just like to get to know them better, go ahead and say hi. Um, you know, Tina had worked uh, uh, for, for quite a while at, at a pregnancy clinic, and, and it was just absolutely life-changing. Every time that she would go there for counseling, and, and, and she would, it was like, uh, I think it was two days a week, and, and uh uh, I'd pick her up for lunch, and, and I'd say, hey, how was your day? And she was like, it's just nonstop. It's just one person after another, after another, after another. People that are looking for hope. What are they looking for? They're looking for life. They're looking for life. How do I deal with life? We look at Nicodemus, and we're not really sure where he's at. You know, he doesn't publicly confess Jesus at that point, and, and we see this uh, uh, story go on, but, but he realizes after talking to Jesus is, I do need life. I need life. And so what I want to do, I want to go on just a little bit further, and then we're going to end on, on Nicodemus. But in this passage, we, we go from uh, Nicodemus coming at night to uh, the, uh, John the Baptist. And remember, we, we've seen our encounters with John the Baptist in the past. And so his disciples are asking John, they're like, what's going on? We're trying to baptize people and we've got our ministry going on. And now Jesus's ministry is really taking off. This doesn't seem right. You should be doing something about it, John. And this is actually before John ended up going to uh, prison. But, but John is, has to respond to them because they're like, 
like, wait a second, we're being faithful, we're doing, you know, we're, we're telling people to repent, and, and how come our ministry's declining, and then the thing with Jesus, this is all blowing up, we actually had some of our disciples are now following Jesus. Now here's, here's what we pick up in verse 27, John replies, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourself know how plainly I told you, I'm not the Messiah. I'm only here to prepare the way for him. It, it is the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the bridegroom's friends is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are on earth and we speak of earthly things, but he comes from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard and how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true. For he is sent by God. He speaks God's word. For God gives him the spirit without limits. I love this in verse 35. The father's love his son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. Guys, I, I listen to Jesus as he speaks, and then we hear John share that same message. And you can write this in, is that life is a choice. Life is a choice. On this journey, what we choose to do, we can choose to accept life through Christ, or we choose to accept life apart from Christ. You know, a lot of times people say, oh, I'm not religious. You know, I just, I just kind of believe my own thing. Well, you made a choice. You made a choice of what you choose to believe. I just believe in myself. It's a choice that you've made to believe. Anything apart from Christ is not life. Life is only through him alone. Well, remember as Nicodemus came, and, 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 and uh, for this conversation, and then he left. We didn't see this radical conversion. We didn't see anything written there that, that he, he said the four spiritual laws or that, that he said the sinner's prayer or anything. It's like, what happened? What happened to Nicodemus's life? I don't know. He's on this journey, and I believe that somewhere on that journey, he was regenerated, that he was transformed, and that he was changed. And that's what God has for each one of us, is to be regenerated, to be transformed, to be changed. Some people, it's just like a, an over, you know, you, you hear the, the good news and you say, I turn my life over to him and it's done. But for other people, it's a process of moving towards God and saying, is what he said is true. I mean, I know for myself that once I hear truth, it's hard to turn away from that. 
once something's exposed to you, wow, it's like, I know that that's true. I know. And so what we know about Nicodemus, which I just think is incredible, is in John 19. And so when you look at John 19, it says, uh, Joseph of, of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, he was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier had visited Jesus at night. Now, guys, this, this is great. So they're coming to the burial for Jesus. So both of these two men did something completely private, their encounters. But then at one point, they said, we're going public with this thing. We don't care what anyone else thinks. We are going public. We are going to show. And we don't care what, what people think about this. And, and to me, for a public display, it says Nicodemus brought the mixtures of myrrh and aloe and about 75 pounds of, of spices to cover the body, to, 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 to uh, uh, cure the body. And, and I'm just thinking, wow. This was a guy that started out just privately that it's like, man, there's something. And wait a second, God's speaking to me now. And now I'm hearing things I haven't heard. And his life radically changed and transformed. Guys, that's true for each one of us. I don't know where you're at on that journey, but God wants to radically transform your life. Not just like a 2.0, not just like an upgrade. Maybe I'll be a little better. You know, this week I won't swear as much. This week I won't smoke as much. This week I won't. No, 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 no. He wants to radically change you from the inside out. He wants to bring to life what is not living, and he wants to give you hope. Guys, no matter where you're at today, Jesus can really meet you where you're at. But let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much. God, you are so good and you're so incredible. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you loved us so much is why you sent Jesus that your desire is not to see the worst for us, but your desire is for the absolute best. And God, how you want to eat, meet with each one of us, how you want to meet each one of us in those physical areas of life, in those broken bodies. God wants you to know that the best is yet to come. As you follow Christ's bodies, no matter what the doctor says, no matter what you're feeling, those aches, those pains, those things that people say, oh, it's always going to be that way. It's not always going to be that way. That through Jesus, he's going to give you a life. He's going to give you that body one day with no more pain no more brokenness and for some of you emotionally you're like hey, rich you don't know what's going through my mind you don't know the things that i deal with you don't understand the guilt you don't understand the shame i'm just not good enough i am so broken it's all a facade i try to tap dance and look as good as i can but down deep, I don't feel like that I'm 
really going to make a difference here. And I want you to know wherever you're at on that spectrum is that God looks at you and he says, I don't make mistakes. I create masterpieces and that's who you are. Marred and scarred, we, we can clean that up. But there is value and purpose in who you are. That I've created you with a purpose. And for others of you, it's spiritually that you've never been regenerated. Your spirit has never been made new. And you try hard, you're trying the 2.0, you're trying the quickest downloads, you're trying to do things to fix a situation. But it will never be fixed apart from Jesus Christ. And his shed blood is to set you free. It's for everyone in this room. It's for everyone that's outside. It's totally inclusive. But it's a choice to follow him, to turn from what you were following, whatever that was, to say, I now give my life to Jesus and to follow him. If that's you, no matter what it is, if it's physical, emotional, or spiritual, you can lift that up to God right now. You can say, Jesus, here, I give what I've been holding on to. And I ask that you would give me life. God, I ask that you would fill me. God, that I would walk out of this room different than I came in. If that's you this morning, that you say, Pastor, I'm just turning my life over to him. I'm giving my life to him. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I am going to open my eyes. Would you look at me if that's you? And, and you say, yeah, today's the day I'm giving my life to him. Today's the day I surrender my life to him to follow him. I want you to know as that choice is made that the angels in heaven, they rejoice. They celebrate the choice made to follow him. It's not about your goodness, but his goodness. God, I ask that you would be with each one of us wherever we are at on that journey. God, that we'd be listening to where you want us to go. God, that we would be faithful to you in all that we do. And God, that you would use each one of us as a light as we move forward. In Jesus' name, amen.